Now, let's turn our attention to the preaching of God's word. But before we do that, usually we show a clip. Uh, I'm going to mix it up and show the clip a little bit into the sermon. So in order to help us transition a little bit, uh, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, now we turn our attention to your word. Um, Lord, we pray that we are changed by it, that you would show us the reality of our lives, the world around us, that we might be changed for the better. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. As we continue on here in our sermon series, Religion Redefine, we've talked about a lot of different things about what it means to be a human, what it means to be a Christian. And this morning, Jesus is going to turn his attention now to something that in our lives grabs a lot of our focus. He's going to talk this morning to us about money. Now, I always enjoy being a preacher, getting to get up and talk about money inside of a church. Just saying the very word, I can see some of you start to tense up a little bit, and that's okay. But it shouldn't surprise us because God loves humanity, and money plays a big role in our lives. The questions about Christianity and money are almost endless. It's been written about all throughout church history. What does it mean for there to be a kind of kingdom economy here on earth? What might that look like? And whether you're a new disciple or you've been following Jesus for many years, money and Jesus are always attention as we try to make our way through life. And in fact, Jesus teaches a lot. He talks a lot about money. Why does he do that? Because money is incredibly powerful. You can accomplish a lot of good and beautiful things with money, but there's also a dark side to it. It also has an incredible amount of power by which to harm our brothers and sisters. With money, for the pursuit of money, people have done unspeakable, incredible amounts of pain to one another. So much so that in the scriptures, it says that the love of money is the not a, the root of all evil. So it makes sense that Jesus would talk about money. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus talking about religion redefined, his kingdom here on earth. And as it grows inside of another kingdom, it's going to touch every aspect of our lives. Now, anytime I talk about money. Anytime, especially when I preach about money, there's a scene from a book that pops into my head. And it's actually been made into a movie. And so we're going to show it here in a second. But I always picture myself as, it's from Lord of the Rings, spoiler alert. Um, I always picture myself here as Bilbo, the small little creature holding onto this thing while this big, powerful wizard who really wants to help my life and loves me and cares for me. So, take a look at this clip. Isn't that up, Pat? After all, I know. Why shouldn't I keep it? I think you should leave the ring behind, Bilbo. Is that so hard? Well, no. I don't 
feel like parting with it. It's mine. I found it. It came to me. Who's managed to get angry? Well, if I'm angry, it's your fault. It's mine. Mine. My precious. Precious? It's been called that before, but not by you. This is yours when I do with my own things. I think you've had that ring quite long enough. You want it for yourself. Come on, Baggins. Do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. I am not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. And I cannot think of another scene. I mean, that is what it must look like for God. I'm not trying to rob you, but to help you. I wish you would trust me. And I picture myself as Bilbo there clinging on to this small little thing that seems like money just seems a small little thing, but the power that it has to ensnare me, to bind my heart. And I wonder this morning, when it comes to money, when it comes to God, do you picture God that way? As someone who loves us, someone who wants us to trust him for our good. So let's take God at his word. Let's look at the words of Jesus as he talks about our money. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We'll start there. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Right here in verse 19, Jesus shifts a little bit here in the Sermon on the Mount. Sorry, I'm going to have to. I apologize. In verse 19, Jesus shifts what's usually going on in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember the last couple of weeks, he said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. Now he says this, do not, do not store up treasures on earth. Now that's an interesting little phrase. Right off the bat, maybe you're asking yourself as I did as I was preparing, okay, so is Jesus saying we shouldn't save our money? Is Jesus anti-bank account? The word store Right there, the third word is an interesting word. It's actually the same word. It's just a verb of that word treasures. So we could read it another way. Do not treasure up treasures on earth. So when we think about that, don't treasure up treasures. No, Jesus isn't saying don't have a savings account. He's talking about greed, what you treasure 
He's talking about don't put your focus and your heart and your money towards earthly treasures. Now, of course, very few of us would say, well, yeah, that's me. I'm storing up treasures on earth. I'm greedy. We need Jesus to help us see, well, what does it mean to do that? Especially in the Christian life, don't store up treasures on earth. What does that mean? Is it a percentage, like only so much of my money can go to treasures on earth? Like, I got to pay bills. I have to, I need a car. What? Is it a percentage of my income? Is it a line? What is it? Well, no, we know it's not that simple. You can be poor and be extremely greedy and desire treasures on earth. You can be wealthy and greedy and desire treasures on earth. So let's see what Jesus means by this. Now, the problem, he says, in treasuring up treasures on earth is that it doesn't make sense because it's susceptible to loss. Don't focus on things that don't last and are easily taken away. See, during this time, people lived in mud homes, right? So they put all their money in a lockbox, they'd lock it. But the reality is a mud brick home, you could literally cut through it, sneak into the house, grab the lockbox, run away. Or they would bury it around in the ground or they'd go into a cave and hide it somewhere, but then that exposes it to the elements, They couldn't just go to the bank and put their money in there. Now, we might look at that and we say, well, we don't have those kind of problems. Our money's safe and secure somewhere. But how many of you, maybe over the past couple of years, have you checked out the retirement portfolio, the savings portfolio? Maybe we know what it's like to experience loss of treasure. We spend our lives saving for retirement, putting our money in things. We buy a new this, it breaks. A virus hits the world and the entire world economy shuts down and now our retirements disappear. So maybe another way where Jesus would say this is don't treasure up treasures on heaven where volatile markets and cheaply made goods can be destroyed. But we know that. It's just not that simple. We know that there's something kind of inside of us when it comes to money and where we put it and how much is in the bank. We get nervous when it gets to a certain level. What's the alternative? If it's don't treasure things here on earth, verse 20, but... Treasure, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Treasure up treasures in heaven. Now here's where it gets kind of interesting. Where is heaven? How do I tr- treasure up treasures in heaven? Does heaven have like a branch at Chick-fil-A where I can go in and I can like, you know, buy the Jesus chicken and then, hey, while I'm here, I want to put $50 in the Treasures Heaven bank account. Now, we know that's silly. We know that's not true. If there was a place, I would argue Chick-fil-A would be where the Heaven bank account would be. But we know that's it's not that. But maybe another question we can ask, not just where is heaven, but when is heaven? 
If you were with us two sermons ago, Matt preached through the Lord's Prayer here in Sermon on the Mount. And he talked about and demonstrated in the way only he could do that when we pray, we're praying for God to bring heaven. Oh, sorry, I stepped out. Bring heaven down to earth. That's about as exuberant with my body as I can get. Matt's much better at it than me, right? We pray to bring down heaven to earth. Heaven is not only someplace we go where we die. In fact, I would say it's not just someplace far above the firmament, somewhere out there that we go when we die. Heaven is happening all around us in a million different ways. Every time we pray, every time we give, every time we serve, we're bringing it down to earth. Right now. Storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven is something that we do right now all around us. And personally, this is one of the most appealing parts of the Christian life for me. If it was just, hey, believe this stuff, sit in your home, wait until the great escape. I, I don't know if I could keep going. But when I read about God and his renewal of all things and how he would say, Jeremy DeBoard, I want you to play a role in that with your time, your talent, and your treasure, that wakes me up in the morning. That keeps me engaged when things get difficult. Bringing heaven down to earth with our finances is what Jesus is saying. And when we do that, we don't have to worry about a bad investment. You see, Jesus is laying out two paths to life here, both here on earth and both right now. One life Storing up treasures here on earth is characterized by greed. And that leads to profound injustice that flows through it, from it. Listen, zero judgment here. Um, but Americans spend $210 billion a year on coffee. Now, I'm not, that's more than the GDP of many countries. Now, I'm not saying if you drink coffee, right, you're practicing injustice, unless you put like 10 packs of like cream and sugar in there, and then that is injustice. But what would God think? He looks down, he sees a country, a fluent country, $210 billion on coffee. Let's be honest. Maybe some of you would argue with me, but coffee is a luxury. Okay, we don't need coffee to survive. Now, some of you like gasp. You're like, unbelievable. But what would God say when he looks down and he sees things that are happening right now in Pakistan? I don't know if you're familiar with what's going on, the flood there. It's one of the most, one of the, I mean, it is horrible. Probably the greatest environmental disaster we have seen in a really, really long time. There's been intense flooding. 10 million children are in need of life-saving support. I mean, there's villages, cities just washed away. Many of these children now face drowning, malnutrition, waterborne diseases. And the sad part is for some of you, this is the first time you've heard of it. $210 billion on coffee while other people around the world struggling to survive. That's just a small little piece of the injustice that flows from 
greed, luxury. But there's another path, storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's a path characterized by peace and joy and justice as we participate in God's coming and current reign. You can accomplish a lot of good, a lot of justice, a lot of help, a lot of salvation with money. So if we sit here this morning and and Jesus is teaching, he's laying out these two paths. How do we know which path we're on? Well, he's going to tell us, verse 22. It's a matter of sight, what we can see. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This makes sense just practically as you read it, right? Our eyes direct our body. When we see something, when we desire something, when we want something, it becomes our focus and we move towards it. You know, up until the invention of smartphones, most of us watched where we walk, right? We walk down the street looking and going there. But if we're in darkness, if we can't see, if the lights are off, if it's dim lit, we can't, we bump into things, we fall, we trip, we don't really know where we're going. The difference between uh, an eye full of light or an eye full of darkness is what it's focusing on. If you can see the kingdom correctly, when you realize that you're a part of God's redemptive force in the world, you can act accordingly. But we have to be able to see the kingdom clearly. You might ask, well, how in the world can I see the kingdom clearly? Well, that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. In a lot of ways, the Sermon on the Mount is an eye exam. It's a heart check. Do you pray? Do you fast? Do you give? Are you meek? Am I justice oriented? Am I a peacemaker? Do I forgive? Do you love your enemies? This is what the Sermon on the Mount is. is Jesus is showing you two kingdoms. And if you can see his kingdom clearly, we respond accordingly. The eye exam for this morning is, do our finances reflect kingdom priorities. This is why sometimes when we start Sermon on the Mount, right, we jump right into chapter 5. But in chapter 4, verse 12, listen to me, Jesus says this. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Another way to think of the word repent is rethink. This is how Jesus, in some way, starts the Sermon on the Mount. Rethink everything. Rethink your entire life. If we can see clearly, we're full of light. But if we're focused on the next gadget, if we're focused on the next investment, if we're focusing on getting that extra comma and zero in the bank account, if our luxury items become more important than people, we start to get just a little bit more dark in our vision. 
found a great way to re-summarize this passage by uh, David Gushi. He writes this, if your view of the coming, if in the view of the coming kingdom, you see your neighbor's need rightly and respond generously, your entire self blazes with the light of God's presence. But if you close your eyes to your neighbor's need, your self is full of darkness, full of the darkness of God's absence. And that darkness is very great indeed. That's a great way to think about this passage. And this all points down to verse 21. Listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, you focus on where your treasure is. Thus, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Focus on hoarding things on earth, you'll act accordingly. Focus on the things of God's kingdom, of heaven, you'll act accordingly. It's been said... Show someone your bank account, your bank statement, and that person will see your priorities. Same with businesses, same with churches. Jesus is saying, see clear the kingdom, put your treasure there. So what does that mean for us? How can we, this morning, make sure we are seeing clearly? How can we make sure that we're depositing our treasure in the right place. Well, let me give you a few practical points here. They all start with E and keep the tradition alive. Expand, evaluate, and invest. There we go. But first service was on it. Maybe I have to explain. Thank you, thank you. That's the French word for invest. I just was getting high culture there for you. So let's take a look one. First, the first thing we have to do is we got to expand our vision. What do I mean by that? Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. What we focus on matters. And here's a big thing that I think, I've been doing pastoral ministry for 17 years, I think, I can't remember. From my experience, what most Christians need in America is to expand their vision about what God is doing. They need to expand their vision of what the gospel is and appropriate responses to the gospel. For most of us, we're discipled to see things like the gospel only as personal salvation. Now, personal salvation is a a beautiful aspect of the gospel. Repenting of our sins and putting our hope and trust in Jesus is a beautiful response to the gospel. But there's more to the gospel than just that. In fact, I would argue that that's not even what the gospel is. But when we say, well, the gospel is just believe in your sins and you go to heaven, we're focusing on one little tiny aspect. It's like looking at a diamond and ignoring all the other facets of it and only focusing on one part of it. Because after all, right, what is the gospel? It's the declaration that Jesus is king. Kings come with kingdoms, right? The gospel is Jesus is Lord. In a real way, Jesus is ruling and reigning right now here on earth. Now, how do we respond to that declaration? 
It is a good response to rethink our entire lives and say, I want to be a part of that kingdom. I'm going to repent of all the ways I used to live in this earthly kingdom, and now I'm going to shift my priorities to this heavenly kingdom. We can only do that if we can see. But if we see God's work as limited only to getting people to say yes to Jesus, that's an incredible thing. We should give our life to that. I'm not saying that's not important. But we begin to neglect other facets like the works of mercy, injustice. These are not just peripheral things. Maybe if you got time to do these, do them. They are appropriate responses to the declaration that Jesus is king. They are part of, I would say, gospel work and declaration. Listen to how God describes himself. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving giving him food and clothing. I know the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. God is very interested in the salvation, the repenting of sins and believing in Jesus of the poor and the needy. But he's also in his kingdom concerned about justice for the poor and the needy. That's who God is. And if that's who God is, then we should respond in like, in particularly with our finances, making his priorities our priorities. That's why things like our Mexico trip, building homes for people who live in a garbage dump, is gospel work. Our race and reconciliation group that learns about how the gospel disrupts systemic patterns of sin. You might disagree with with how that works or how that plays out, but that kind of stuff is gospel work. Alleviating poverty. People who are suffering, that is gospel work. Care portal. That works along with fostering faithful families. I got it, said it right that time. That's gospel work. Going out on Monday nights to visit the homeless, gospel work. Basically what we need to do is Expand our eyes to see how can I use my finances to make earth more like heaven? That's where you should put your treasure. And that's why we need you. That's why the church needs diverse backgrounds and stories and experiences so that we can get a fuller picture of what God's rule and reign would look like here in Afton and beyond. So let's, let's do that. Let's expand what we would consider gospel work. And after we do that, let's do the second thing. Let's evaluate. Store up for yourselves treasures on heaven. So you're going to have to do the awkward, hard thing. Open up the bank account. Look at the bank statement. And ask yourselves, how can I align these prop- How can I align my finances a little more with heaven on earth. Now to do that, before you even open it up, it's scary, right? It's hard. Before you even open that up, I want to encourage you to do something. My missionary friend shared this with me a long time ago. Put your yes on the table. Before you even do it, just say, Lord, I trust you. You love me. You care for me. You're like Gandalf. You just want to hold me and tell me that 
you love me, you want to trust me, whatever you ask me to give, I'm going to give it. Start with yes and see where the Lord might take you. That doesn't mean he's going to say, all right, gotcha, sell your whole house, sell every car you own. But that's a scary prayer. So let's do this. Let's take some baby steps. Let's start with some low-hanging fruit. Could you open up your bank account and clear up $20 a month? Now, if you're in middle school or high school, you're probably sitting here looking at me like, dude, I don't bank account. I don't have a bank account. I just ask my mom and dad for stuff. You probably do. You probably ask for things like coffee, clothes, video games, fast food. I don't know. You ask your parents for a lot of stuff. What if you came to your mom and dad and said, dad, mom, instead of asking for a coffee once a week and you giving me 10 bucks or however much coffee costs now, you just said, hey, can I take this money and invest it in heaven? So how do you do that? All right. So we're asking God to expand our vision. We've looked at the bank account. We've cleared up $20 a month. And now we want to invest it somewhere. This makes sense, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you gave your neighbor $100,000 for home repairs, I would imagine when you came home, you might look over and be like, are they doing it? You'd get really invested in making sure they got their house fixed. The same thing will happen to us. If you start investing in God's kingdom in certain places, your heart will start to grow and become more connected to it. So what are you passionate about in God's kingdom? Maybe you don't have any passion. (laughs) Maybe you're like, I don't know. Find something, and I guarantee you, if you give to it, you'll grow a heart for it. Invest there. Middle school or high school, let me talk to you for a moment. You're 15 all the way up to 18, or maybe you're 12 all the way up, however old you are this morning. If you took $20 a month and you started investing it into heaven, you would be a different person. You would grow up and be a different person. Let me, let me give you an example here. Maybe you started treasuring up treasures in something like the covering house. The covering house provides refuge and restoration for sexually exploited and trafficked children and teens. Let's say you're in high school, you're in middle school. You start giving $20 a month to something like this. Uh, This is gospel work. In God's kingdom, there is no sexual exploitation. In God's kingdom, children and teens are not trafficked. So we combat that right now. High schooler, middle schooler, if you started to give to that, what if you did that for the next 50 years of your life? And every time you graduated, every time you just bumped that up a little bit, how many lives would be impacted? How many people would be changed? And as an added bonus, you too would be changed and transformed. I think that's worth giving up coffee once a week. I'll give up coffee once a week and join you. I don't drink coffee, but so low-hanging fruit. But I tell you what, join me in it. I got out the bank account, looked at a few things I can trim off. But maybe 
you're like me, 41, or maybe you're older, you don't have 50 years to invest. Remember, in Jesus' hands, little is much. Just start today or Monday. Get things out. Look at it. And whatever you give to the Lord, he will bless. Bless others, and he will bless you in that.